Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor, and I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. With us today is Mike Piergowski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, and podcast producer, and now occasional contributing co-host, who ranks as the number one unpaid podcast producer in America. Woo! Congratulations, Mike. So, Chris, uh, before we get started, just a note. Uh, we're recording this in mid-June 2021, and I think this is the first time that you and I have been in the same room in about 18 months. I was wondering if I had even seen you in person, I don't yeah, like think on so. a social basis, even since 2020, early 2020. No, and I think it was. I think it was our. I think it was our test optional episode where we had Chris Gage on here. Yeah before test optional even became a giant thing because of COVID. Right. We should probably do another test optional episode. This is what I look like still. You look, you look really great. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, it's been about 18 months, but it's good to uh, actually be back in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. So as we get started today, I was, I was going to start this episode by playing guess that college uh, HBCU edition since right. that, you know, from yeah. our last episode. Yeah. But there was an article in Inside Higher Ed a couple of weeks ago that I saw that I think you and I need to discuss. Okay. Uh, the thing is, the story was originally reported in December 2020. I don't know about you. I missed it entirely. Um, and so I want to just spend our opening time today talking about uh, this story and, and to get your thoughts. All right. So Temple University has to pay the U.S. Department of Education $700,000 to settle a complaint on how the university lied to U.S. News and World Report for years about their online MBA program through the Fox School of Business. They lied about scores on the graduate management admission test, the GPAs of admitted students, and other quote-unquote key factors. Temple did not admit guilt, but has admitted to most of the facts set out by the Department of Ed, uh, which to me sounds like an Alfred plea, if you know what that means. I don't. You, you don't admit your guilt, but you realize there's enough evidence against you. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, the current story that I saw talked about an indictment of the ex-dean on charges of one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and one count of wire fraud. Sound familiar? I read a lot about wire fraud yeah. in the, like, a year or so ago. So according to the DOJ, the dean, quote, conspired and schemed to deceive the school's applicants, students, and donors into believing that the school offered top-ranked business degree programs so they would pay tuition and make donations to Temple, end quote. After the U.S. News announcement, the website Poets and Quants, which focuses on business school, started digging around in the data Temple had reported to U.S. News for the previous rankings. Turned out that in the years 2014, 15, and 16, the three years prior to the most recent for which Temple was ranked best online MBA program. So like best, best, they were, they were ranked Number best. one. All right. All right. The university had also reported that 100% of its students had taken standardized admission tests. In the two years prior to that, when Temple had not been the top program, the percentages were 25 and 33%. Oh, wow. The indictment charges that the scheme was successful, the Justice Department press release said, relying on the false information it had received from Fox, U.S. News ranked Fox's uh, program, the online MBA program, number one in the country four years in a row. The indictment states that there's a direct correlation between U.S. News rankings and online enrollment at Temple. When it was ranked number 28 in 2013, it enrolled 70 students in the online MBA program. In 2015, when the program was ranked number one, it enrolled 198 students. The two years after, it enrolled 253 and 356 students based on the false information Temple submitted. As it turns out, though, U.S. News and World Report never checked the data. The change in Temple's behavior, the indictment charges, came after a 2013 meeting between O'Neill and two other Temple officials with U.S. News officials. At the meeting, U.S. News officials said they did not perform audits on the online MBA data submitted because they, quote, lacked the resources to do so. Subsequently, the practice of submitting false data took off, the Justice Department said. Mr. Reeves, your initial reaction. 
there's a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of initial ones. I started writing on, on, on the paper I've got here. Uh, well, let's see. One thing. Money puts a lot of pressure on people, and people care a whole lot about making money. So I think that's part of what motivates people to be unethical mm-hmm. and, and do the wrong things. And I don't know all the other pressures. I, I imagine that in many cases like this, it starts off small. And it seems like not a big deal starts right. and it gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And, and all of a sudden you're just in, 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 in flat out, flat out lies. Not that the original things weren't lies, but bigger and bigger lies. Uh, it makes me mad because it's, this is a profession I care about a great deal. Right. And anything that, that just destroys the credibility of the profession and the things we do, you and I don't deal a ton with, with graduate programs, but a lot of our kids will end up in graduate mm-hmm. programs and it still is connected to, to what we do. Even, even using the word scheme in the justice department quote really like rung a bell with me because like this is a thought out plan. Yeah. It's not because we've had, we've had issues with us news and world report. Um, not, not them as much as well, they're a part of it. That's my next thing. But with, with colleges apologizing for, well, we sent in some bad numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. We've seen that. Um, it happened, I think, Emory University a long time ago had an issue with that. There's a few other schools. But this the, the scheme process here seems a whole lot more intentional. Right. And, and, and look, let's see, other reactions. Well, rankings are BS, period, because... And you and I, we talked about this in our whole episode, but you go from 28 to one and, and look what it did for you. Right. Look what it did for you to, to, to be ranked higher, got people excited about you. People clearly and, weren't paying attention to. And your enrollment was five times more than what it was prior to. Because of a rank. Right. Because of a number. Right. Because of, so why do you think they, why do you think they, they strive for these numbers? Why do you think they, it, it, it best manipulate in some sense or, or make decisions within their own policies to get better rankings. And at worst stuff like this to, to intentionally create rankings. What do you think about the, the, the part that struck me out of all of this? Sure. Okay. Temple did this, the, you know, the numbers are, are what they are or submitted as to what they are. What about the part where U S news says, Hey, we, we don't check these numbers. And that's next. So, okay. so yeah, U.S. News doesn't doesn't check the numbers. They but they considered like the most credible ranking system for colleges like in the world, I guess. And I mean, now, not not maybe in our business, but but out in society, society definitely. Yeah, I mean they have an entire issue devoted to this every year. That that you know people who. I mean, I'm, I could be one of those people. I don't normally read U.S. News and World Report, but I might pick up that rankings issue. Well, when you've got 4,000 some colleges, where do families start? Right. Where do you start? I mean, I, I, I am in the business, so when I'm working with a student, I, I help them find a better place to start. Usually I'm, I'm pushing against the rankings right. as I'm a place to start. But where does, where does your average family start? And we've talked before, when you go to a college's website, how many times do you see a little logo like U.S. News and World Report oh, Best Schools? Don't even get me started. So now if I'm looking at a school, oh, well, now I'm going to go look it up. If I'm a if I'm an average family, I haven't read Inside Higher Ed. I don't know that this is going on. You have listened to the Get School podcast. I have listened to the if podcast. You're, if you're a family. So, <laughs> so now the average family doesn't doesn't even understand just how skewed these numbers. No, in in colleges, we we have a lot of friends in a lot of schools. So we, we say this with all, with all grace we can, but they all hate rankings. But if you go to the website, they all have them. It's littered with rankings, all types, all kinds, whatever, whatever place ranked you something, it ends up on the website, not even always us news and word report. So yeah, there's so many problems come out from this. One article. Right. Good choice. Good choice. Man, get us all fired up before we get into our next. next. And and it's going to get worse from here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Lord. Well, let's take a quick break. We come back. We will jump into the subject of class rank.
Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. We need to start this segment with our usual disclaimer. Today's topic and our opinions are just that, our own, and do not necessarily reflect the institutions by whom we are employed. For example, I still work at a school, well, I work at a school that still reports class rank, but my opinion is my own on this topic, and it's one that I've had for quite a while now. So I want to put that out there for our listeners right from the outset. Chris, I know at your last two schools, you were able to eliminate class rank, yes? Yeah, buddy. Quick answer. Yeah. All right. But listen, I, you're in a district with four high schools and right. one district. The, the last two stops I had were small high schools in independent one high school district. So that makes change in any way so much easier than if I worked in a, in a multi high school district like you. Um, and, and for the record, we also ended the concept of a single valedictorian at, at both schools, something I felt was antiquated and, and useless. Uh, moving to the cum laude system for us, I felt allowed for the recognition of everyone who achieved whatever levels they they got to okay. without competition in that way. But we'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure. So I'm, I'm confident the vast majority of our listeners are already going to know this. But just so that we can start today's episode on an even playing field, mm-hmm. can you quickly define what we mean by class rank for our listeners? In the simplest terms, class rank is a way to see how a student compares in terms of academic performance compared to typically all other members of the student's grade level. So it's most commonly measured by comparing GPAs, either weighted or unweighted. Although there are some other methods besides GPAs, uh, some schools may report an exact number, such as 15 out of 100, for example, or they may report it as a percentile, top 2%, top 1%, top 5%, um, or even as part of a, of a range, such as a quartile, quintile, etc. In most cases, class rank is part of, if not the main way, schools consider valedictorian or salutatorian honors for graduation. So basically, no matter what method you use, you're comparing student A to student B. Yeah, you're comparing everybody to each other okay. and putting them in order. All right. Best to worst. Right. Maybe. Right. So we, we spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out who decided first that class rank should be a thing. Um, honestly, I'm not sure if anyone knows. Uh, we, we've got an idea. We asked a lot of people, right. smart people. Yeah, and they were all like, I don't know where that started. So if you're out there listening um, and you know where Class Rank started, send us a message uh, because we couldn't find it. But, Chris, you did send me an article mm-hmm. that might provide a clue to the answer. I, I found a, a 2019 article in, in the conversation about the first supposed instance of selecting a valedictorian. So, Joel, you read it. Why don't you sum up the story for us? So, according to the article, it was the year 1772. What a year. (laughs) I I feel like we should have some theme music. I know, I know. Um, And the place was the College of William and Mary. A man named Lord Bodetort arrived to serve as governor of Virginia. And because he liked the college so much, he put up a gold medal to the student most skilled in Latin, written composition, and oratory. The winner was named as valedictorian from the Latin word valedicere, uh, which means to say goodbye. The valedictorian would give the farewell address at commencement, and the concept of valedictorian was born. By the 1920s, public high schools started awarding graduation honors, and they needed a way to name the valedictorian other than through Latin oratory. So GPA started becoming the top criterion used for many schools. What's interesting and what we'll look at here in just a second is that being valedictorian is not the be-all, end-all measure for life success. What? Who knew? Who knew? A series published in the Boston Globe in 2019 called The Valedictorian Project showed that being valedictorian often led to admissions at a prestigious college but was not a predictor of professional success. The report, according to the article in the conversation, showed how, quote, academic achievements usually have some connection with opportunities and privilege. Talent counts, but it coexists with non-merit factors of race, gender, income, connections, and luck, end quote. So in order to be fair to both sides, because there probably are people out there who are in favor of class rank, um, what are the arguments in favor of utilizing class rank? And then we'll talk about the arguments against it. 
Well, let's let's admit first of all that people love rankings. Mm-hmm. We rank everything. We we rank Major League Baseball power rankings, college football rankings, top five vacuum cleaners, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I'm sure there is a psychology in in the structure and comfort provided by ranking. Uh, here are some different pros, quote unquote, for class rank, so to speak, uh, that we found in a variety of articles, uh, and maybe our own experience somewhat. Increased student motivation, perhaps. Uh, Pushes students to take harder classes that they may not consider without the benefit to class rank. Prepare students for the competitiveness of the real world. Perhaps it does. Uh, Gives colleges a picture of how a student compares to other students within the same school or educational environment. Mm -hmm. Eliminating class rank as a data point might put more emphasis on standardized test scores in the admissions pro- in the admissions process. Uh, without rank, there will be a traffic jam, perhaps at the top, because so many students have super high GPAs. Maybe it's hard to distinguish between one from the other. Taking class rank out of high school is just another example of the everyone gets a trophy mentality. Mm. Mm. All right. Uh, okay. Some U.S. states guarantee that students who achieve a high enough class rank at their high school will be admitted into a state university. Isn't Texas an example of that? It might be. We're from Kentucky. So. All right. Doesn't happen here. No. Right. But Texas, automatic top 10%, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. For residents. Military academies require a class rank. Okay. So. Uh, there you go. That's all I got right there. So. Let's talk about the cons. Okay. Uh, you know, that was a pretty healthy list of it's supposed not, actually pros. Not, a, not a bad list. No. Um, but I'm thinking the list of cons has to be just as long that we found. It is. Okay. It is. So what are some cons? Longer, in fact, than the pros list. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'll try to say this in a clear fashion for everyone listening. A class rank is disappearing as a metric nationwide as it is. Um, it's not required on the common application. Uh, the method of sorting and comparing students is obsolete. Well, I, I, kind of obsolete. Military academies are still using it. Maybe not quite obsolete. Okay. The belief that selective colleges and universities require information about class rank on applications may have been true in the past, but not as prevalent today. Okay. NACAC State of College Admissions annually ranks class rank usually in the eighth to 10th place in order of the most important things colleges consider in an applicant. Strength of schedule and performance in those rigorous classes are far more important. So again, let's just stress eighth to 10th. So there are seven to nine things annually that colleges think are matter more. more. Yeah, that matter more okay. than, than class rank. And, uh, and without looking at all the data over the past years, I would say that it's dropping. Like that it's, it's falling in the rank. Certainly not increasing. Right. Which is funny that we're ranking things that matter in colleges in an episode about ranking. Right. But that's not people. That's right. just data. In many cases, the delineation between students in terms of class rank may be minuscule, with the difference being a thousandth of a percent of a point range. So is there is there really a difference between 20th and 21st? Mathematically, no. Not, not really. Yeah. Like all numbers, rank can be skewed by something as simple as a student who gets a teacher for a particular class and how difficult the grading policy is, especially if it's not standardized across across the curriculum. And how do you know in a, in a, in a four-year span, like how, what kind of fairness right. and what kind of situation students are in? Students can and often will choose courses that will boost their class rank rather than taking courses that are the right fit for them and their interests. I've got a story for that later, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, students are gaming the system. I would say I would say families are, are gaming the system. Uh, early in their high school careers, top achieving students analyze their school selection procedures for picking the valedictorian. And then and then and then they they find they find ways to to do that. I was at a school where it benefited people to pick a study hall. I'm going to, I'm going to, are you going to talk about that? that? All right. All right. I'll let you do that later. Um, class rank places unwarranted stress upon students. The sort of sentence I have here ready, but maybe the most important sentence mm-hmm. 
I'll say it again, class rank places unwarranted stress upon students. Evidence indicates that ranking students may diminish motivation. And when I when I saw that one, you wrote that note. I wrote that note. Yeah, it was almost of a well. This person's going to finish first anyway, so why even try? Ricky Bobby. Yeah, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. Right. Yeah. So if I'm not going to be first, maybe not. Then maybe not try. Oh man, we should do it. We can't use some of that some of that music in the movie, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't think we have the rights to that. Uh, by the time many schools figure out the valedictorian and final class ranks, students have already been accepted to college, set their financial aid, paid their deposits, and are ready to move on with their lives. At the end, it doesn't seem to matter nearly as much as people might think. Right. And I know, you know, at my school, which again, you know, I'm stating my own opinion, not the opinion of, of my school, but, right. you know, we look at all eight semesters. So we know the valedictorian maybe two days, two, three days before graduation. It's, it's, it's just like almost a, it's so done. It's already, it's, it's, it's already, everything else is already done. Everything's done for the student. And now you're going to, so, so what's the purpose right. at that point? Right. If the purpose is helping a kid with, with college stuff, you know, things we do. Right. Not really, not really in the right timeline. So what are your general thoughts about this pros and cons list? Well, I don't, I don't like class, right? Joel. <laughs> I think it's terrible. <laughs> and and the, the the pros, I mean, I, honestly, like you and I on this, on this podcast do try to like listen to both sides of something, mm-hmm. even if we have a really strong opinion going into it. So yeah, I kind of see the point of a, a couple of reasons. I don't think it outweighs even close. Like the scales are way, way tipped in the cons favor, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I can see where someone could present an argument with the things we had mentioned. Right. I mean, with our information system, we all, and our guest does too, we all have a secret rank in there. Like I can look at rank. It's a matter of whether you publish it or not. Mm-hmm. So within our infinite campus software, we can always see the rank. Mm-hmm. So if a military academy needs a rank, I can put a rank on there. Right. Like I don't have to publish rank overall and have a rank that's known far and wide. And also it has nothing to do with whether it's a valedictorian or not. Because those two things can be separate. They can. You can separate valedictorian from rank. Right. I don't like either one, but. So, so could I take a minute and tell a story about myself? Yeah, go. So, so here's a bit of self-disclosure. So I grew up in a small town in Kentucky, um, not where I currently live, but on another part of the state. Um, in our town, we had one high school. I had two older brothers who had a lot of academic success in their high school years prior to me making it to high school. So you had a three ain't bad, Joel. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother episode. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, while I don't know that my parents intended to do so, there was a lot of competition instilled in us to do our best, uh, which sometimes, or my wife would say often, uh, carried over to trying to outdo each other. Uh, Furthermore, unfortunately, one of the ways we could measure how successful we were in school was by looking at class rank within Mm -hmm. our respective classes. Now, by my sophomore year, I knew I had no chance of being our valedictorian, thanks to Sandia, um, who (laughs) who now works in New York City. And I, Sandia, if you happen to listen. But salutatorian was an option. For most of my high school career, I stayed in that second ranking, and I took the hardest classes I could take from my core curriculum. But by senior year, classes were harder, and calculus, for example, was kicking my rear. Thanks, Mr. Allman. Um, One of my electives, as required by my parents, was driver's education, so I could get that 10% insurance discount. Thanks, Coach Bell. All right. Uh, But in order to game the system, I matched that class up with a study hall that wasn't for credit. Since I would have less credits to divide by, my ranking would then increase and offset my struggles in calculus. All right. Sure. Right. So so exactly what you were saying before. Yeah. By the end of it all, I was a co-salutatorian, which is another story for another day. And as I was speaking to my classmates at graduation, part of me wondered if all of that worry and gamesmanship was worth it. My family was proud, but the feeling of intrinsic satisfaction that I was expecting to feel wasn't there. To this day, I don't think the gamesmanship was worth it. I'd been accepted to Western Kentucky University on a near full scholarship, and where I finished in my graduating class didn't have a bit of impact on that fact. If I had to do it over again, some of my elective choices at least would have been different, and my level of concern over my order of finish would have been less. What's funny is that my best friends in high school were all right around where I was academically, 
Ranking didn't matter nearly as much to them, and they ended up in the same place I did. So at the end of the day, what did class rank really matter? You didn't take a, I mean, you gave up a semester. I know kids don't think of it this way, but like you gave up a semester of a class Mm -hmm. like you could have had. I mean, what you don't know the experience you would have had in that class. You don't know the relationship with the teacher you could have had in that class. Right. And, you know, you gave that up so you could divide by a half credit fewer to increase the thousands of hundreds of a percentage point or whatever, you know, decimal place or whatever, right. whatever that was. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I think, I think you're kind of spot on. I, I, I feel like when you're in the heat of the decision, I wouldn't beat myself up over it necessarily. Right. But. right. I mean, as a 17 year old, obviously I think, yeah, about things differently now. I'm glad I had that experience, though, right? Because I feel like I can share that experience with my students. Well, now you're guiding 17 year olds, right? So, so having that experience is really helpful, right? To to talk about. No, I've seen the same thing. You know, I I, I had a student who let's see, this is back at Owen County. I don't obviously names aren't relevant at all at this point, but you know, people figured it out. Some people figured it out, and some didn't. It's been a study hall would actually get you a higher GPA because mm-hmm. if your GPA is above a four and you take a class worth a four and not a five, it's only going to lower it. Right. So if you take a class that doesn't calculate, then you, you keep it higher. Uh, and that's how, I don't know how that has anything to do with where you fall in a class like or how you succeed in high school. Or well, whatnot. I think that that entire 30 second conversation right there pretty much sums up why class rank might not be the the most important thing in the world. No, I, I people start thinking about the math, just the math. Right. It's it's kind of nuts. So let's. Why don't we? That's. I appreciate your story uh, very much. Let's take a break because sure. we're sitting here with our amazing guest, and oh, she's trying not to cough, trying to be silent in front of us, and and we need to get her in. So let's right. take a break. Let's let her cough. Let, <laughs> let her cough for a second. And slurp your drink or whatever you need to do. And Actually, we'll... my nose is dripping right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Rees and Ford. Chris? I don't know about you, but I'm excited to have today's guest. She's someone I've wanted to have on the podcast since we started. Um, so why don't you introduce her? <laughs> Calm yourself, buddy. I'm excited. All right. Why don't you introduce her to our listeners? Gladly. Gladly. Uh, today we have Trinity Walsh, college and career counselor at Highlands High School in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Prior to coming to Highlands, Trinity served as the program director for the Elder High School Honors Program in Cincinnati, Ohio. And was band director of the Elder Seton Grade School Band, a school counselor and instructor at Elder High School, and a music teacher at St. Ignatius School in Cincinnati. She has a Bachelor of Music Education degree from Otterbein University and a Master of Education degree from Xavier University. She is also the Secondary Professional Development Chair for the Kentucky Association for College Admission Counseling, KYACAC. 2018 Kentucky School Counselor of the Year. 2018 Kentucky School Counselor of the Year, a fan of the show, and one of our best friends Ooh. in the business. Trinity, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited and really pretty nervous. So if you look, you can't see it on the podcast, but I have like lots of notes and I never prepare this much. So that's how nervous I am. <laughs> we, don't this, we don't prepare this much. We don't prepare this much for anything. No, we, yeah, we're just, we're, we're excited. It's, it's COVID was interesting for us because we, you know, the, the long distance podcast recording, it gave us a chance to, to have some people from all over the country on, but it's really fun to be sitting together and having someone we work with on a, on a almost daily basis, easily weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, just with our bouncing things off each other, the three of us. Speed and dial. Speed dial. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But let's, let's get into some questions. You heard, you were sitting here the whole time. So you probably have lots of things you were thinking as, as we were talking about class rank. Uh, but, but what are, what are your general thoughts and impressions regarding class rank? Um, you know, this is, I'll be going into my 19th year as a school counselor this coming school year. And I think my thoughts on class rank have significantly changed from year one of school counselor when you're new and you don't really know much. 
to now, um, you know, I think I fall probably in the camp of you guys, which is, you know, I don't know if it means anything. Like, do we really need it? You know, um, are the pros, do the pros outweigh the cons? And I don't necessarily know that. Now, that being said, there's probably people in my district right now listening to me thinking I'm a crazy person, you know, that want to keep class rank. You know, that's the tradition. That's what we've always done. But I think there's a lot of people in our district as well that, you know, are starting to see the value in maybe we don't need that as part of our of our school. So early on, you were a bigger fan? Like I think so, because, you know, when you don't know, really, you know, when you when you get out of a school counseling program, you don't really have a lot of uh, school counseling classes on class rank and GPA and college right. counseling. No, zero. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you just go, oh, this is what you've always done. So it must be good. Well, and then you, you also get the <clears> benefits. <throat> like I know at one point, University of Kentucky, I don't think they do it anymore, but they literally had an extra five hundred dollars for a valedictorian. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. They gave an extra 500 for being a valedictorian. So it's like, well, we can never talk about getting rid of it because one kid might get 500 bucks at UK. And there's, yeah. there are still outside scholarships um, out there because I, I know I've had students come in uh, wanting to know in advance uh, so they could apply for for something that if they were valedictorian or salutatorian. So right. um, I know they're still out there. Um, I'm curious what caused... It probably was gradual, I'm sure. But what do you think caused the shift in your thinking from year one to year 19? Um, For me, it became about being student centered for all the kids and not just one or two kids. You know, so, you know, I think my practice over the years has been looking more holistically at a group of kids versus individual kids. Now, that's not to say that I'm not helping individual kids with their individual issues and whatever they need. But like you're looking at this group as a whole and you go, okay, you know, what what is for the greater good of all of the kids? And, you know, I think class rank is really it's just that little group of kids that are trying to achieve this thing. Um, And like you talked about, like gaming the system, is it always for even for their good? Because, you know, you lost maybe an experience with the class. You know, maybe you wouldn't be a counselor right now. You would have taken uh, something else, you know, basket weaving 101 and would have been the best basket weaver on the planet. Who knows? I don't know. It probably would have been. I know. I I believe. So so it's just kind of like how student-centered is it? Like, is it for just like, is it for everybody kind of thing? So, you know, and then I, you know, and then personally, I look at uh, my husband and me and uh, and he, he would not mind me saying this at all, you know. His ACT score and mine are very, very different. His is much lower than mine. His class rank probably was much lower than mine. And he makes about four times as much money as me. So so really the big picture, how much did it matter? Right. So, yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier the concept of tradition. Uh, how, how big of a pressure do you think that is, just speaking in general, not in terms of where you work, but how big of a pressure do you think tradition is and and overcoming that concept if if you're somewhere that wants to get rid of class rank um i this is going to sound really kind of bizarre and i and maybe i'm totally off base here but at least from my perspective the tradition is only in something like this as important to the people that are a little bit older i think Parents that are a little bit younger don't seem to think that that's as big of a deal um, because I think they probably um, went to college and, and they're living in a world where maybe rankings and things like that aren't as important. Like they, they're in they're in, some of them are in jobs that didn't even exist when they were in high school. So their learning has changed a lot and they kind of understand that. I find that the people probably that are more focused on, we've got to keep it, we've got to keep it. It's their tradition. Maybe even like the older parents or the grandparents, because it's, it's a generational thing. So, I mean, that's just my perspective. No, I agree with that. I think it's also, also people who have been in that area, like, like people who've been in the same area forever. I know that I mean, I've been in five different schools, the tradition at Owen County, for example, was strong 
that they, I didn't make any headway there. And I was kind of young. I was my first year as a counselor there too. So I didn't, I didn't know any better, just like you talked about or try, but to make any progress, there was a huge class rank issue. One of the years I was counselor there and it was, it was hard. Like I was up against the old guard, man. Like it was, it was something else. So I think the, long-standing residents sometimes, even like not associated with the school. Right. It's like, no, no, we have a valedictorian. This is the way we've always done it. Yeah. 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 But that's why we're maybe talking about it here. We want people to be educated on, on the value lack thereof. Right. But of course, I no, I, that's a, that's an interesting point. I agree completely with my experience with that. So do you have, do you have class ranking at your school? So why or why not? Yeah, at Highlands, we still have class ranking. It's um, it's an ongoing discussion as of the last couple of years on mm-hmm. do we keep it, do we not keep it? I don't know that we've had any recent discussions on getting rid of it at this point, um, but it's always a conversation point, I think, mostly because we've been focusing on other things, you know, COVID and online learning yeah, and everything. Yeah, sure, right. I mean, that's, so that's, I think it kind of got pushed to the yeah. side. Yeah, but I think it's coming. I think the the real conversation of do we keep it or not, I think that conversation is coming probably sometime this year. Um, mostly because this year for the first time since I've been here, this is my this was my 12th year here, we had co-salutatorians, so we had a tie. Right. Um and we changed our grading scale about three years ago to a 10 point A, B, C, D. Um, and so that's kind of made those numbers a little bit closer together for kids for their GPA. So I think it, it's coming. I think we're probably going to, and, and, you know, you all know the, the schools around here, there's not many of them left that do it. So, you know, I don't know. We don't mind being the only holdout and standing out. I mean, sometimes that's what we do. If it's the right thing to do, right. sure, why not? But, you know, I don't know that this is like the hill you want to die on here. So I don't know. I think we're going to have some real intense discussions probably in the next year or so about this. Do you, how do you, how, how do you anticipate those going? Do you think you're, do you think the, the community is ready? The district is ready? The leaders are ready? Or, or do you think it's going to be difficult? Um, I think for the most part, I think people are ready for it. I think our teachers are um, because like, I want to go back to like your, your story about you not taking a class and, you know, we've all had those kids that are in the top, you know, one, two, three, four that are vying for that position and they're not taking something that they should take because they want that, that one or two spot. You know, I mean, before we started this, Chris was talking about a kid that did that. You know, I've had kids that do that in like, you know, that don't take choir. They love to sing their beautiful voices, but it's an unweighted class and said they take AP chemistry and they're going to do nothing with it in the future. But they but they want to be one or two. So I think our teachers in our building, especially our teachers that teach electives, um, would love to see it go be- away because that will help their numbers. It will help kids take things that are really relevant to them. And I think as a shift in the country and in the state of Kentucky, we're shifting towards making sure kids learning is more personalized for them. And this is one way you can do that because then they are taking classes that are relevant to their future and not just something for a rank. It just doesn't seem, Oh, go ahead. Joel. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It just doesn't seem healthy for kids in so many ways because I mean, the kid who takes AP Chem and adds that extra class instead of choir, that's going to add, I mean, how many more hours of homework does that add? Maybe at least an hour a night for an AP Chem, sometimes more, instead of having a class that we call them a get up classes, you know, you, you, it makes you get out of bed to go do your right. choir class. And instead of having that with relatively no homework, you've got all this added stress. It can't be, it can't be good for you. Right. Especially in our age of increased anxiety and increased mental health issues, that sort of thing. It just can't be a good thing. I really appreciate it. And I hadn't thought about it until she said, but just how that helps teachers who teach electives or or career in tech ed or fine arts, things like that. Because, you know, as well as I do, if there are cuts to curriculum, where are the cuts going to be? Right. Oh, yeah. Electives. Right. So. Now, if we can motivate kids to take electives, 
there's no reason on earth a kid shouldn't have a balanced schedule. Right. Every and, day. and, you know, at, at least the school I work at, we're a student driven master schedule. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, always have been. so if if kids want to take those electives, then that's how we, it gets built into the schedule right. based on their request. You know, yeah. and, and so taking out that that idea that, oh, I can't take this elective because it's going to hurt me in, in the game of class rank. I think I think it's good overall yeah. to not to not have that. I mean, I told you all the story offline about the kid who I don't know why I was a little bit immature probably, but I asked him the question, uh, and, and it was a student who was going to be a computer programming major and took an AP class instead of computer programming the senior year because of the same situation we're talking about. Uh, but he was so so intense about class rank. I'm like, all right, here's a question for you: if you someone asked you for help on something and you knew that if you helped them and you were generous about that and that that would give them a grade that would have them pass you up in class rank, would you give that help? And literally he's like, no, I wouldn't. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't help that other student, uh, which to me was a character issue. I mean, I, maybe I'm being very judgmental and that sort of thing, but I was like, see, I'm right. Class rank is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, you know, obviously there, there, there'll be a group of students that cares about class rank. What do you think, and not specific to your school, but what do you think that the average student's opinion is of class rank in 2021? Do students care? I don't think the kids that I come into contact, unless you're number one or two, they don't care. I mean, and really, and even sometimes they don't care. Um, you know, I think about the kid, one of my favorite kids of all time um, that graduated last year in 2020. He was number two. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you do this or if you did this or, but, you know, my kids that are top five, I kind of look at their schedule before we process those schedules to see if like it's going to jive in the master schedule and if something needs to change. And we talk a little bit about the rank and, and sometimes I call them and say, hey, you know, if you take this, you're not going to be number two anymore. Or you're not going to be number one because I just want them to be aware if that's their goal. Um, and I had that conversation with him as he was going into his senior year. And I said, hey, if you take this, you're you may not be number two anymore. And he said, I don't care. I just really want to take this class. To me, I was like, that's awesome. But again, he was like one of my favorite kids of all time. He's like the most well-rounded child on the planet, and he will be doing something amazing at some point. So remember this, because when I bring him up and I say, remember that kid? That'd be that kid. Um, but like, but I think aside from those kids, I don't know, most of the kids in my building, I don't think they really care that much. They look at it, and then they go, eh, okay, you know, I have a daughter who's going to be a senior. She could care less what her class rank is. Right. How many seniors do you have in Highlands? Uh, we just graduated 254. All right. And how many seniors do you have? We just graduated 341. All right. So listen, I we haven't addressed this yet, but this is a good time to talk about it. If you're, if you're at a small school, you've got to dump rank. You have to dump it because you're only going to hurt kids in the college admission process because you could be... And basically, if you're at a if you're at a school that's academically pretty strong and you have a lot of good students, you can't you you simply can't rank because you could have a three point five and be ranked like seventieth out of a hundred people. So you you've got to and that's I think a lot of the dumping of class rank did start with small private schools across the country. I think that's where the if if you call it a trend where that kind of began, it only hurt people if rank was being used. And you, I mean, you're, because you know, my, it, whatever school I'm at, my, my 30th kid could be, could be a lot more academically talented than someone else's 30th kid. So. Well, you, you, I, I looked that up before we started this for our school, okay. you know, and, and we have to get to somebody who is below a 3.0 weighted GPA you have to go to number 218 out of 254 in our class. There you go. Because you're, you're, the Highlands is a really good school and a lot of really strong students. So you're going to rank a kid in the bottom 
who it's going to look terrible for that kid. Mm -hmm. If you want to share this podcast episode with your committee, I would say that would be the reason, the number one reason that would resonate with maybe a community or someone who was trying to hold on to this. You are hurting your kids, ranking them in the bottom 50% with a 3.0. Yeah. I mean, 50% of our kids have over a 4.0 weighted GPA. Right. So you've got a kid who's in the 75th percentile. Yeah. Who is a B student. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But all, you know, not, that's not all college C's, obviously the, 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 there's, you know, they're smart enough to evaluate these things, but in a, in a technical sense, that's not a good thing to put out that, there. That number is going to stick out whether, whether they look deeper into it or not. Right. Whether they look at the school profile, whether they understand how good a school Highlands is, You're it's, st- it still says 217 out of yeah. 250. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's terrible. Right. Why so armed with information like that? Why why do you think class rank's still a discussion? I mean, why why hasn't this become antiquated in the, in our world of education? Why is this still a thing? And I guess that's for all of us. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know. When I, we start talking about this, I'm like, I'm really seriously like, I feel like I should send a letter to the editor here about this, like. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. I think it, it really, I think it just comes back to tradition, right. tradition, tradition. So, and you um, have those, those, those minor instances where, where, where it's asked for on the college mm-hmm. side, it's still an optional question on common app. I'm sure has an optional, is it optional? I should know mm-hmm. this, but it's, it's optional to put on there, but it's, we do not rank. Right. So just the fact that you could put the answer in there makes people feel like if there's one more way, to stand out when I'm competing against all these people, then I need to add that one thing. Uh, even though we know we know that there's no penalty for putting that your school doesn't rank. Uh, at the same time, I guess people just don't feel that way. Maybe counselors are leaving programs who have no training in this, and they're not able or they've chosen not to or not able to be involved with their ACACs. They don't get good college training. And then there aren't people out there advocating for getting rid of class rank. They, they don't know enough. That's why we try to do this podcast so that maybe perhaps people might listen to something like this and begin thinking about it. So maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. Not just the community, but the counselors themselves not knowing. Right. I think that's part of it. I think that, you know, especially for my district, whenever we want to make some kind of a change, especially if it has to do with something for a student's future, college, career, whatever it is, we're looking at those organizations that kind of drive those things. So, you know, it would almost have to be for an easy conversation for the ACAC to say, like, we're not going to use this anymore. We're not looking at it. It's it's irrelevant to us. And then the high schools would say, okay, well, they're not using it. So it's, you know, so I guess they're looking for guidance as well. But I think here, at least in Northern Kentucky, with so many schools going away from it, I think we're going to start looking at it just because it's, it's the trend, whether it's right or wrong. I, I mean, it would in, in a perfect world, a, you know, the Kentucky ACAC, and, and again, it's the Kentucky Association for College Admission Counseling, uh, and in NACAC, the National <clears throat> Association for College Admission Counseling. I don't know how they make a statement or if they can, but yeah. but in my perfect world, those organizations would make statements that class rank is not something uh, they promote or believe in. Well, and I feel like, you know, especially everything that's happened in the last year, more and more schools, and they said this before, but I think they've really pushed it now, like this holistic approach of looking at your application, because there's so many kids that are going test optional. So, you know, or have some other experience that's happened to them over the COVID situation. So I think, you know, that those data points are different now, you know? So I think that sure. it's, it's it, a good time. It's yeah, a good time to make some yeah, changes and yeah. then rethink something. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I like the thought of your, your school having a conversation. And I know Joel, your school's having conversations. I think this, this summer, right? I, I think, I think our school is, is going to have that at least a beginning conversation as to, you know, is this really measuring anything that that we needed to measure let's let me ask this question because mm. i know my answer <laughs> i'm going to get your all's answer 
Are there any positives, in your opinion, to class rank? Crickets. Hear that, hear that let, people? Let, Crickets. Me, let me go back to the list. No, you can't, you can't look at the pros list. Um, no. Uh, to me, no, not that can't be measured by other things. All right, Trinity. I would say the only pro would just be for those one or two kids. Just something to, you know, to hang their hat on. That to extra say, data point. To- yeah. And I don't even know if it's a data point for admissions or scholarship or whatever. I mean, it's more like an internal, like, I did this, you okay. know. And like That's Joel fair. pointed out, like, for him, he didn't necessarily even have that. Once he got it, it was kind of like, oh, great, you know. Right. So maybe. Maybe. Maybe for one or two kids in a school who, who achieved the goal they set for themselves. Right. In it, okay. I think we touched on this a little bit, but we did want to discuss for a moment, if we need to, uh, the most what what are what are the most accurate measures then of a student's ability and potential success that colleges need to consider, because that's ultimately what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're trying to we're trying to measure students' ability and potential success. How do we? I mean, I know this is colleges have to figure this out for real every year, but we have to advise students. And, and so how do we, as a, as a whole community, measure that? Hmm. Good question. It's a real good question, Mr. <laughs> I mean, I think it comes a lot of, I think it comes up in, in I mean, NACAX report tells you in some sense, because the colleges have it figured out for the most part. I think, you know, you take hard classes, mm-hmm. but a balanced schedule, you perform well in those every day. You, I like essay stuff. So I feel like your life experience shows up in the college essay. And I'm not talking about, I mean, this is a whole other episode at some point on college essays. I'm not a fan of the polished essay as much as I am of like this super genuine, like tell, just tell me what happened in your life. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have someone turn in something imperfect and heartfelt than, you know, something polished and whatever. But. Well, I think it comes down to two, two, main questions that are being asked now you know going back to the idea of standardized tests which is more of an accurate measure four years of work or one four-hour performance on a saturday morning and which is more valid your performance against the standard set by your school and the curriculum that you take or your performance compared to other people in one school, in one location, in and that's where the essay USA. that's where the essay gives the context of that performance. Because maybe it wasn't as great as someone else. You didn't have the experiences, but you but you know you get right. the story. You get the story behind that. Colleges don't have an easy job. No. I mean, imagine sitting down. We we never have to do this, but imagine sitting down with like tens of thousands of applications, and you have to pick like a thousand or two right. that that you take, and and everybody's pretty much worthy of getting in. So. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, of essays too, because I think, I think you can hopefully see a kid's authentic self through the essay. Like, I just think about like scholarships that we have in house that we have to judge because of, you know, that's how it's been set up. And if they have an essay, I almost never look at the rest of the stuff because the kids are listing, you know, I was in this club, I was in this activity, whatever but I go to the essay and I read the essay and that's what really helps me decide. Like, I think this is the kid that should get it. Right. Do you, do you take the most polished, perfect essays or do you, do you take the story and no, it's definitely the story, Right. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way anytime I want in one of those committees, like, cause you're talking about the school because the scholarships where, okay, a Highland student will get this scholarship and your office is responsible for kind of like, setting up a small committee and reviewing these. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anything else about class rank that you feel like we didn't ask or that you want to share? Um, well, I was in my research. So, okay. So I found this, this quote that I thought was like really interesting. So this was an article from the education update from ASCD um, back in 2017. And it was from, um, a professor at the University of Kentucky really? that I found mm-hmm. in this. Okay. So that probably drew my eye a little bit. 
But this guy, Thomas Gusky, who's a professor of educational psychology at the University of Kentucky, has long argued that class rank is a practice designed to select talent rather than develop talent. So I thought that to be really interesting, you know. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. Yeah. So, so, and that made me think, you know, that made me go back to the whole like elective you know, thing like, how are we developing these kids and is class rank doing that? And I'm, you know, I mean, are we pitting them against each other? Yes. That's not good. I'm not, I'm not saying it is. <laughs> okay. I, I just answered your question. Yeah, no, I just, I don't think that's good. No. Just pitting kids. Why can't, I'm not saying I'm, trust me, everybody. Like I'm not, I'm not, I am not out there saying, oh, everybody gets a trophy. Uh, I'm just saying like, how, how, how can people not have, how can we not have a lot of people successful? Like, how can we, how, how, how do, why do we, why does it have to be one person or two people? Why, why can't, that's why I like the cum laude system because you, you know, right. you have a goal, you set it. And then however many people, if you want a graduation speaker, then, then have the students vote on it or use your class president. At my school, we use class president. Yeah. Just however yeah. you want to do it. It doesn't have to be like the person who got the best grades and game the system the best, if that's part of it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason on earth we can't just. Here's here's the curriculum bar. Did you meet it? Did right, and then and then I mean colleges. We need. I'm doing a lot of stuff with STEM schools right now, STEM mm-hmm. colleges, and all they talk about is group work, teamwork, teamwork, group work, teamwork. All these like RIT, FIT, MIT, all these IIT, all these schools. All they talk about in their admissions process is teamwork, 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 collaboration. And the class rank process does the opposite. It does not promote that because you're going to help somebody else be ranked better than you. If you're going to play, if you're going to play hard. You're going to win. And you're not going to play well with others. As yeah. You, as your story yeah. earlier said. But that's collaboration is getting more and more important, even in the college admission process. I, I just think, I think it's, it's, it's bad all around. It's awful. In fact, I might say it's one of the dumbest things in college admissions. <laughs> Period. That's Chris Reeves' PO box. <laughs> Don't, it's terrible. It's 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 send fan mail too. I mean, I don't I don't lead with that in a meeting, right? You know, like like that's maybe at the end like this, because I have to be logical, I suppose. Right. Well. I think I'll end this segment by just saying, Trinity, thank you so much for being oh, on yeah. the Get School podcast. And hosting us, by the way. We oh. are we're in your office. We're live, we're live in Trinity's office. Live from Highlands High School. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it's a great discussion. Um, we'd love to have you come back another time, another topic. Um, and with that, let's take a break. Right. And when we come back, we'll finish up with our five lenses and our words of wisdom, plus an extra bit of information for our listeners. Oh, you guys need to hang on. We have some, we have big, big Big updates. Big Big news, breaking news. It's big. All right. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Joel, let's hit those four lenses to address all types of listeners. Oh, you're right. Five Five lenses. lenses. All right. All right. Go for it. You give us the first one. If you're a school counselor, this is totally my soapbox and opinion if you haven't figured that out by now. And, And I left our independent counselors out on purpose. I hope if your district has class rank, you work to eliminate it. Begin the conversations. Show your principal and head of school the research and logic behind removing it. Uh, more and more, more and more schools are ending this concept that proves that one student is better than another student's. Whatever you can do to stop the rank. Thank you. Thank you. If you're at a university, I have two questions for you. First, is class rank providing you with the information that you think it is as far as whether or not to admit a student, their potential for success, and so on? Second, is any college out there willing to actually answer that question? There are so many things that can measure a student's potential for success at state university, and I'm not sure the class rank is one of those things. If colleges could somehow come together and say collectively that class rank would no longer be a consideration and students and parents could not only hear it but believe it, I think you'd see class rank become more obscure on the high school side. Chris wants me to add that if you're if you're out there and you offer a valedictorian scholarship, stop. 
Stop it. Stop it. All right. If you're a parent, hey, everyone, this is easy. Don't worry about the class rank. Colleges are not using it much anymore. If your school does not rank, your child will not be penalized in the application process. A student's future is not related where they fall when lining up cumulative GPAs in a graduating class, for goodness sake. In fact, if the issue comes up at your child's high school, attend the meetings in favor of eliminating the class rank. More often than not, community members, as we mentioned earlier, not school officials, are the ones who love the concept of valedictorian. Support what matters, all students succeeding at high levels. If you're a student, if you're really concerned about class rank, I would ask you why. What's your true motivation? Is it to be the best student you can be? Wouldn't your grades and GPA measure that? Is it to be better than other students? Is your self-worth as a student measured by how you compare to everyone else? I would just caution students to check what their reasoning is for being concerned with class rank and to also realize that the separation between students is often microscopic and not as wide as the rankings themselves might imply. I've seen too many cases in 23 years in education where students are motivated by the wrong reasons and make academic choices based on what I would consider to be the wrong reasons. All right, very good. And for a teacher, uh, I guess it's vital to know that the grade from your class plays a factor if your school does rank. It's also important to be aware that students and parents might believe the hype around class rank and may lobby for extra points to bump that grade from a B plus to an A minus. Obviously, it's your call as a teacher, but don't feel bullied in this situation. You might be made to feel that you are personally costing the family thousands of dollars, but that's not true. First, a student had all semester get that grade. And second, there are very few situations where one point in your class makes a difference. Also, know that only final grades get onto the transcript, not quarter grades or exam scores. That's all to say that teachers should be aware of the complications and stressors that arise from class rank, but they need to keep their eyes on the prize, making the classroom experience as valuable as possible. The rest will take care of itself. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. So with that, let's finish up today with Chris's words of wisdom. Chris, what do you have for us today? The day we are recording this episode right now is three days after my daughter's wedding. Hey! I know. Uh, so if, as we've mentioned on the show before, I'm a stepdad, and I met Emily when she was 14 years old. Now 23, I had the pleasure of watching her get married in front of her family and friends. Uh, so I'm sure, I, I was sure there was a word of wisdom in this whole thing somewhere. Uh, probably lots of them. But what I'd like to focus on is this. Uh, Emily, Emily's a teacher. Uh, her husband, Austin, is in construction. I, I didn't speak at the wedding, but I did at the rehearsal dinner. So, so here's kind of a shortened version of that speech. Okay. Are you excited? I am. All right. If you're ever around people in construction, you'll go by a building and what do they say? I built that. <laughs> I built that. I built that. I promise. That's pretty funny, but it's true. They always do that. Uh, and when you're when you're building something, you need to plan. You need to be patient. You need to be forgiving. And you, you just can't give up. Erecting steel-framed buildings probably doesn't always go smoothly, but Austin and his team get the job done using those same principles. And Emily builds people as a teacher. Uh, those same principles apply. Uh, in the speech, that, that led to uh, building a life together. In our case, for this podcast, we're building into students we are building professional relationships. We're building careers. We're building programs. Uh, there's something special about building something important. Uh, and, and maybe the only wisdom in this is simply for us to recognize that and be intentional about it. Joel, Mike, Trinity, and I all care a great deal about our students and our profession, including anyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, we wish you the best as you move forward in your profession and life. Thank you for listening. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, Joe. And remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at, at GetSchooled3 and on the internet at www.askmrreeves.com slash GetSchooled. 
Chris, before we get to what the next episode will be, we've got some news for our loyal listeners. Why don't you explain? This is big news. This is huge. Yeah, yeah. So we've been asked, and we've accepted, by the way, to become part of the new NACAC College Admission Podcast Hub, a collection of podcasts related to various aspects in the world of college admissions. NACAC is creating this in an effort to expand knowledge about college admissions of both professionals and the general population. Being part of the hub will allow our podcast to be advertised globally by NACAC, and we're able to promote other podcasts in the hub that you might enjoy. We're excited to be asked to be part of it. Uh, I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be cool to just be connecting with everyone and to promote each other's podcasts on, on future episodes. Yep. Uh, so with that out of the way, Joel, tell us about our next episode. Chris, this is a topic that we both feel strongly about, but I think especially you, uh, because you talk about it a lot outside <laughs> of, of the podcast. Uh, we talked about this a bit all the way back in episode one, uh, but we're going to look at two-year institutions as a viable option for students, both academically and financially, as well as what works and doesn't work when it comes to transferring uh, from a two-year to a four-year college. Sounds great. That's next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. See you then. expressed by the hosts of the Get Schooled by Reason Ford podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong.